In Philippians 1.27, Paul uses imagery from both sports and warfare to describe our work in the church. What do games and combat have in common that instructs us on how to operate in the body of Christ? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Gospel citizenship is not only unified, but forceful. Verse 27, standing firm in one spirit, in one soul, contending. Standing firm, that's a warfare term. Hold your ground in the fight. Stand firm. Contending is a sports term. Think about this. What does sports and fighting in the military have in common? They really don't have that much in common. But one thing they have in common is effort, right? Paul putting these two terms together, contending and standing firm, underscores the kind of energetic, forceful effort that must go into gospel citizenship. Then he says it down in verse 30, he calls it a struggle. You know, it's gospel citizenship is not a passive, relaxed walk in the park. Don't listen, don't ever fall for that false teaching that tries to say that effort is somehow of the flesh. You know, these people that say it's different, you know, you got you got the spirit and then you got effort. And those kind of people they say anytime there's hard work, then you're just operating in the flesh. So they say, Stop striving, stop struggling, stop trying so hard to serve God. Just let go and let God and just you know relax, let the Holy Spirit take over. And and you can always spot these people because one thing about them, they'll never have anything good to say about God's law. They don't like God's law. To them, law God law the word law is like a dirty word. And it's the opposite of grace for them. They think anytime you're making an effort to obey God's law, you're operating in the flesh. I don't understand how a person could read anything Paul wrote and think that. Still buy into that. The effort that we need to put into our gospel citizenship is like a soldier in hand-to-hand combat or an athlete trying to win a gold medal. Can you even think of any images that portray effort more strongly than those two? Elsewhere, Paul compares it to a woman in labor. A little later in, in look at chapter 3 in Philippians, uh, verse 12. He says, halfway through the verse, he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. There's no conflict or tension between grace and effort. They go together. In fact, it's grace that causes effort. 1 Corinthians 15.10, his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. The effect of grace is working harder. If the Christian life seems really hard to you, if it seems tiring and exhausting and just really, really difficult... That's the way it's supposed to be. That's it. That's right. Now, if you find it burdensome, that's different. That is not a good thing. If ministry is burdensome, then that means you're either doing something that God didn't call you to do, or you're doing what he called you to do with the wrong attitude. We should not feel burdened by ministry. 
But it's extremely appropriate, absolutely appropriate, appropriate for, for ministry to push someone to the extremes of endurance, like an athletic contest. And when you think of athletic contests, when I say that, uh, don't think of individual sport, think of team sport. Okay? That's what this word is. The, the Greek word for an athletic struggle is, uh, the regular Greek word for that is athleo, which is, you, know, you can hear that we get our word athletic from that. This isn't that word. The word Paul uses here is soon athleo. The word soon means together with. So this word means to struggle alongside a teammate. That's what the word means. I heard one preacher that said that uh, the, the ancient Roman wrestling, they actually wrestled as teams. So like a whole group of guys wrestled a whole other group at the same time, together as a team. I, I researched. I wasn't able to verify that. So I don't know if that's true or not. I just mention it because it seems like a really cool idea to me. Honestly, I mean, it just seems like fun. Yeah, interesting. Can you imagine watching that? Like you're, like you're, uh, you, you get your guy down, and then you go help your buddies in some kind of hold, and you're t- helping him. All of a sudden, some other buddy, you know, help gets you off, and you're like all fighting. I don't know. Just sounds interesting to me. But whether or not that's what they did, uh, I, I mention that to you because that gives you the idea of this word. He's talking a team sport. If you are fighting this battle alone, you're losing. You're going to lose. Lone Rangers or Dead Rangers. You, 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 we must fight as a team. And not only are you losing, you're hurting the team when you fight alone. I heard about this high school student this week who recently, uh, he, was, he, he, was, um, he was the best player on the team by far. In fact, probably the best player in the history of the school. Uh, most talented basketball player. And halfway through the season, he got cut from the team. Coach kicked him off the team because they couldn't win with him. He didn't know how to play as a teammate. He couldn't play as a team. He was just he was just an individual. And so, in spite of all his amazing skills, he was actually a detriment to the team. How many Christians are like that? Incredible giftedness, and yet a detriment to the team because they just want to go at it alone. The the the, the more gifted a person is, typically, the more prone he'll be to to tend towards this. It's like. No one can do it like you can do it, and so you just want to do it all. And 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 you don't want to get any other people involved because if they're involved, you don't have quality control. And you just rather do it yourself. You can control everything, and the, that cripples the body when we start doing that. We need to function as a team, like a well-oiled machine, uh, a person who has his, all his body parts acting. Together, that's that's an effective person. A person who, when his body parts start acting independently, you know what that is? A spasm, right? Spasms are not good for anything. You don't want to be a spasm in the church. For a fighter to win a fight, all the parts of his body have to be working together with precise unity and harmony. And that's what the body of Christ has to do in order to win this fight. You say, what fight? Fight, fight for what? What are we fighting for? Well, look at the end of verse 27. So whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man, here it is, for the faith of the gospel. That's what we're fighting for. The faith. The Christian faith. And the Christian faith is defined by the gospel. Just as everything that happened to Paul in chapter 1 was related to the gospel, he was happy if the gospel was going well, that's all that mattered to him was the gospel, he wants us to be that same way. He's calling for the Philippians to everything in their life measured by the gospel. Because the only thing that matters 
in life is the progress of the gospel. Churches exist. We exist for the progress of the gospel. That's what we're fighting for. We defend the gospel from attack, those who would attack it or pervert it or uh, twist it. We fight and struggle and strain and push for the progress of the gospel in reaching the lost. We strive, strive and push for the progress of the gospel in each other's lives so that we grow in the gospel. And uh, we live, strive to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. So, have you done your civic duty this past week? Have you lived as a citizen of heaven in a manner worthy of the gospel that saved you? I'd like to just close our time by just just thinking about what are some characteristics of the gospel that we want to live up to, live in light of? Well, one of them is the gospel is good news, right? That's what the word means, good news. It's good news for sinners. The gospel is good news about how a sinful person who is under the wrath of God and on his way to hell can actually be forgiven and reconciled to God and become a beloved child. And his sins in his heart wiped clean. That's the gospel. So let's live up to that. Let's live in a way. Let's, I want to live a life that, that has good news for the sinner written all over it. So people wa- see my life and they, they, wa- they see me like, Good news for the sinner. Good news for people who uh, think that they're too evil to be forgiven. I want to live my life in such a way that shows that no sin is too wicked to be forgiven through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What's another characteristic of the gospel? Well, it's true. It's truth. It tells the sinner with 100% accuracy exactly what God is like, exactly what the sinner is like, and what the situation is. Um, let's live in a manner worthy of that. Let's live up to that. Let's live our lives in a way that tells the truth about God and about us and about the world. Let's live lives that don't give wrong messages about what God is like. Another one, the gospel is a message of grace, Acts 20:24. 20, um, let's live in a way that showcases the grace of God. So that people see our lives and they say, wow, that person believes in a God who's incredibly kind and generous and patient. The gospel is 100% centered on Christ. Let's live our lives that way. Christ at the very center. The gospel is a message of reconciliation, so let's reconcile broken relationships. The gospel is a message of forgiveness, so let's forgive one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. Forgive from the heart. The gospel is a message of God's love, so let's love one another deeply from the heart. That's our civic duty as citizens of heaven. And if we live that way, we will stand. We will stand firm in one spirit. And with one soul, we will contend together for the faith of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the unity of the Spirit. Forgive us for failing to properly contend for it at times. Lord, make it matter to us, that closeness. Make it really matter to us. Open our eyes to the importance of it so that we might bring your Son glory by the way that we are one with one another. The idea of collaborating with the rest of the body of Christ is described in the most vivid terms in Ephesians 4, verse 16. 
From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Literally, it says, joined and held together by every joint of supply. Even the ancient people understood that the parts of the body that join the body together have a supplying function to the other parts of the body. We understand that in more detail in our day. Oxygen and nutrients are supplied to every single cell in your body, every moment, by the other parts of the body. That's a picture of the way God designed the church to function. So ask yourself two questions. First, have you positioned yourself in a way that your ministry is being supported and supplied by others in the body? And second, are you supporting and supplying anyone else's ministry? If not, give some thought to how you could become a support for others, supplying assistance or encouragement or instruction or prayer or any number of other means of supplying God's grace to brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, make me a fire hose of your grace to others. Give us unity in our church. Based on how often you mention it, that obviously matters a lot to you. Make it matter to me, Lord. Show me how I can be a peacemaker, not just reconciling conflicts, but also working to bring people together. Maybe people who aren't at odds or anything like that, they just don't know each other and I might be able to make the connection. Give me insight into how I might be able to match up people with needs to people equipped to meet them, or to introduce people with similar interests who might hit it off. Show me opportunities for me to build friendships. It's not something that comes naturally to me, Lord, and I doubt I'll ever be a gregarious, outgoing person, but even for someone like me, there are moments when I have a choice to build a friendship or just keep to myself. Help me to see the value in making more and more connections in the body of Christ. I want to be a participant in your household, Father. I know it's good and pleasing to you when brothers dwell together in unity. I may not be able to do a lot of things, but I can at least do that by your grace. Thank you, dear Father, for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for the faith you nurtured in their hearts. You are the God who gives endurance and encouragement, so please give us a spirit of unity among ourselves as we follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth we may glorify you. You are the God of hope. So fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in you, so that we may overflow with hope by the power of your Holy Spirit.
Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.